0: You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Monday to you, and thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Get Upside. Just download the free Get Upside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. Folks, it's good to be back home. I was gone on the road for nine days. I spent the first three days in Las Vegas for the Shrine Bowl and then six in Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. And I am only home for a few days. Then I'm back on the road on Wednesday. I'll be in Los Angeles for some Super Bowl events with the Draft Network, and yes, you're correct. If the Bills were in the Super Bowl, we had some really, really cool stuff planned, but um, that didn't work out this year. But I still get a chance to be in LA and be part of these Super Bowl festivities, and so I'm looking forward to that. But rest assured, Locked On Bills will be here for you. I'm not going anywhere, but just want to let you guys know about my travel schedule. That way... If the audio is a little bit funny or something's different than normal, you can understand why. Today on the podcast, we are going to do our performance review regarding the Buffalo Bills wide receivers. And we've done quarterbacks, running backs, tight ends, and today is wide receiver. So the same types of conversations that we've had about the previous positions, we're going to have today regarding wide receivers. And there are some interesting things to get into with this receiver core, some expiring contracts. And some unique skill sets and situations that we need to talk about. So let's dig into it. The first receiver we're going to get into is wide receiver one, Stefan Diggs. He was acquired via a trade before the 2020 season. He's 28 years old. He turns 29 in November. He has two years remaining on his five-year, $72 million deal. And I want to stop right there because Stefan Diggs is underpaid as far as elite receivers in the NFL go. He's the 17th highest paid wide receiver in the NFL in terms of average annual salary at 14.4 million. To give you an idea, DeAndre Hopkins is over $27 million per year. And Devontae Adams from the Green Bay Packers who is a free agent or set to become a free agent, he is expected to demand around $30 million Per season, And Stefan Diggs is at 14.4. Something has to happen here. And if I'm Brandon Bean, I am beating him to the punch. I'm working on getting an extension done now and perhaps doing it in a way that can create some cap space this year. I understand he has two years left on his deal, but I am not waiting for Diggs to get vocal about it. Take care of this dude. His production has been off the charts since you traded for him. He's proven himself as a leader, and this is just not something I would mess around with. And if you do, if you do mess around with this, you are in jeopardy of paying even more. Because if Devontae Adams gets $30 million a season, Stefan Diggs is going to want right there at $30 million. And so I'm going to get out in front of this I'm going to see if I can get him for the mid-20s, something like that, and see if it can be beneficial to the team this year in terms of opening up some cap space. As far as his 2021 statistical production, he had 158 catchable targets, had 103 catches, 1,225 receiving yards, and 10 touchdowns. His yards after catch per reception was 3.1, which is the lowest of his career. And that's something that I'm going to bring up for every one of these receivers, their yards after catch per reception, because the Bills, as I talk about all the time, are not very productive when it comes to yards after catch. And Stefan Diggs, who's your number one receiver, 103 catches, coming in at 3.1, that's about three yards less than you'd like it to be. So it's just a low-hanging fruit thing that continues to exist with this offense, and something that I want to continue to bring awareness to. So as far as statistical production goes, Diggs didn't quite match his production from 2020, but he still had a great season. Top 10 in the NFL in receptions, yards, and touchdowns. One of only eight players in the league with double-digit touchdown receptions. So maybe you feel like Stefan Diggs wasn't as productive as he was last year, and you would be correct but he still had a top-tier wide receiver season. And I thought it's interesting because Josh Allen, late in the season, talked about this. He said it was by design that Steph Diggs didn't get as many targets and looks as he did this year compared to last year because they wanted to make sure that he was fully healthy and ready to go for the playoffs. And that's something that we have to keep in mind because Josh Allen flat-out came out and said it. As for his 2021 review, Stephon Diggs maintained his status as an elite wide receiver one in the NFL. And he earned the C on his jersey and became a team captain. So he's one of the most influential leaders on the team, one of the best players on the team, so much so that he was voted a team captain. And I think that says a lot. Diggs logged his fourth consecutive 1,000-yard season. Stefan Diggs is still one of the premier wide receivers in the NFL, and I'm fully satisfied with him and what he brings this football team. So as for his 2022 outlook, I'm looking for more of the same, and hopefully with a new contract. I want him to continue to be Josh Allen's go-to receiver and command north of 150 targets. So Stefan Diggs was a pretty easy conversation. The Big layer to that conversation is the contract, but he's wide receiver one and should continue to be wide receiver one. Let's move on to Emmanuel Sanders. He was a 2021 free agent signing, 34 years old. He turns 35 next month in March. His contract is expired. He completed his one year, $6 million deal with the team. And as far as his 2021 statistical production, he had 68 targets, 42 catches. 626 yards and four touchdowns, 2.3 yards after catch per reception. Had a strong start to the year. In fact, after six games, Emmanuel Sanders was on pace for 68 catches, 1,170 yards, and 11 touchdowns. Obviously, that slowed down considerably. So as for his 2021 review, we do have to mention the strong start, but he fell off. He didn't have more than 40 receiving yards in a game after week eight. Only one touchdown over the last 11 games. I know that he had a knee injury that played into it. So we have to keep that in mind. And obviously he's an aging player. And I thought it's important for us to mention that he brought leadership to this team. I think we could all feel that based on his press conferences and just his interactions with the guys. So. The production was overall modest after a strong start, tapered off, and obviously the leadership component was present throughout the year. As for his 2020 outlook, I mean, I have to start with asking the question, does he want to play? And if so, what's left in the tank? I know he's contemplating retirement. He made it very clear that his objective this year was to win the Super Bowl and hit the beach and retire. Well, that didn't happen. It really seemed like he loved being part of the team. He was great for the community. You have to love that. A guy well into his career, a very accomplished football player, only on a one-year deal in Buffalo, and is a major factor in the community and being a leader off the field. You have to love that about this guy. So if he wants to play and the money is reasonable, I would be for him coming back, but I'd be very cautious About thinking this guy was a top two, three, or even four option for my passing game. So I think those expectations have to be set responsibly because he is an aging player. He did drop off last year, he did have some injuries. And for the type of offense that you want to be, I'm not sure that I'm going to lock in Sanders as my wide receiver two or wide receiver three. I think it's time to kind of look at that depth chart differently if Sanders were to come back and everything worked out with the money. This is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all of my new year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right. Thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I'm actually enjoying eating them. Have you ever tried the puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar; they are a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. In fact, all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, Puffs included 100% real chocolate, and they're low-calorie, high-protein, and you can replace your candy bar with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to three hundred calories. So go to built.com and scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away. They're high in protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carb. And they have so many great flavors. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond. And new for this month is the white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. If they think a flavor might be good, they'll make it and it will be delicious and it will be good for you. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every time. I got a deal for you. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Bilt.com. The next receiver I want to get into is Gabriel Davis, a 2020 fourth-round pick, number 128 overall. He's 23 years old, he turns 24 in April, and he's entering year three of his four-year, $4 million rookie deal. As far as his 2021 statistical production goes, he had 61 targets, which is fifth on the team, 35 catches, 549 yards, and six touchdowns. He averaged 3.9 yards after catch per reception. And that does not even include his insane postseason. He had 13 targets, 10 catches, 242 yards, and five touchdowns in two games. He set a new NFL record for receiving touchdowns in one postseason game with four in the divisional round against the Chiefs. I mean, this guy really turned it on late in the season. And so as for my 2021 review, I have this written down. He got so much better. You guys remember the conversations that we had about Gabriel Davis entering the season. I talked a lot about how I thought he was a beneficiary of the scheme and his role on the offense. He wasn't a top two or three weapon for the offense, and because of that, and because the coverage is focused elsewhere, Gabriel Davis, with his size and ball skills down the field, he made a lot of plays. Well, after watching him this year, I am feeling more and more confident about him being a wide receiver two or a wide receiver three for this Bills passing game. I have some numbers to point to that measure just how much he got better. And these numbers do include regular season and postseason last year and this year. His reception percentage on catchable targets went up 7%. His drop rate went down 3.2%. His contested catch rate, this is a big one because if you're going to be a size and ball skills guy, you got to win in contested situations. He didn't in 2020, only 20%. In 2021, he won 77% of his contested catch opportunities, an increase of 57%. That's massive. And then Josh Allen's passer rating when targeting Gabe Davis in 2021 was 103.3%. It went up to 131.3 in 2021. A lot of good things happen when Josh Allen targets Gabriel Davis. Oh, by the way, I thought he got a lot better as a blocker this year. We know that that's a big part of his role on this team. So as for my 2022 outlook, I think Gabe Davis is in contention to be wide receiver too. And I don't think in 2022 he's fifth on the team and targets again. He should be a top three weapon for this passing game. And I want to see this upward trajectory continue. He offers a unique skill set for this offense, size and ball skills down the field. Now, he isn't going to be a yards after catch guy. He's not going to be a quick separation guy, but he can win down the field with size and ball skills. And he's a major factor in the RPO game on those glance routes. He scored a lot of touchdowns doing that and made a lot of big plays doing that. And the Bills really don't have another weapon that really makes sense for the RPO glance routes. And so he has a unique skill set, an important skill set. The Bills have done a good job of incorporating it. And now in year three, I'm looking for even more. I think this guy has earned the opportunity to be a high-volume target guy for this offense next year. Let's move on to Cole Beasley. 2019 free agent signing, he's 32 years old, turns 33 in April. He's entering the final year of his four-year $29 million deal. And if he's released, the bills can free up $6 million in cap space. And that's something that we have to be very mindful of. The bills aren't in good shape when it comes to having available cap space. They'll have to consider ways to create some. And obviously, this is an area that you look to in terms of this contract as an opportunity to clear up some space. In 2021, Cole Beasley had 106 targets, 82 catches, 693 yards, one touchdown, and he averaged 3.8 yards after catch per reception. So Cole Beasley had the same amount of catches in 2021 compared to 2020, three less touchdowns, and his yards per reception went down notably from 11.8 to 8.5. And so as for his 2021 review, he had an interesting year. Obviously, it started with him being very vocal on the exceptions that he took with the NFL's vaccine protocols. And then you watched him play this season, and there were some games where you felt like it was vintage Cole Beasley. There were other games where he was extremely quiet. I still think Cole Beasley is a reliable option for choice routes from the slot quick-hitting stuff, just trying to ask him to uncover quickly and throw him the football, I think he can help you in that way. But when you start talking about his 2022 outlook, I'll be honest, I'm not sure he should be back on his current deal. I think you either have to work out an extension that forces him to take a pay cut, maybe you add a year and reduce his salary, or you cut him and say, hey, If you think you can go find six, seven, eight million dollars per season on the open market, go get it. And if you can't, come back here for three or four. I think he can provide some value to the offense, but his average depth of target and his yards per reception, in addition to some very quiet games, gives me some concern about him going into his age 33 season. So, I think Cole Beasley can be a useful player for this offense. I think he can come back and catch 70, 80 balls next year, no questions asked. But when you consider where this team is in terms of salary cap space, where Cole Beasley is in his career, I'm not sure that you can justify not taking advantage of the opportunity to clear up some cap space by looking at this contract and either reworking it or cutting him. I think this is one of those very clear opportunities that the Bills need to take to work some cap space. And like I said, I'm not opposed to Cole Beasley being back. I'm just not sure you can have him back on his current deal. Let's move on to Isaiah McKenzie. He was a 2018 in-season signing, 26 years old, turns 27 in April. His contract is expired. He completed his one-year $1.3 million deal. In 2021, in terms of his statistical production, this was the least productive season he's had yet with the Bills as a wide receiver. Had 20 catches, 178 yards, and a touchdown. Averaged 3.8 yards after the catch per reception. So as far as my 2021 review, this is a little bit complicated. Because obviously he had his moments as a receiver and a returner. Now the returner thing didn't work out. The team obviously lost confidence in him in that role. As a receiver, he had that monster game against New England, but he was really quiet otherwise. He had zero or one catch in 15 of 17 games. I think we are more in love with the idea of Isaiah McKenzie more than what he's actually done. And that complicates things as far as a contract extension goes. He's a very different player than Cole Beasley. They bring completely different things to the table. And McKenzie didn't prove more this year than he did last year, so why is there this sense that he's going to command more money? I agree that we feel that way, but should we? Should that be reality? And I'm honestly not sure how much him not proving more has to do with Him and it being more about the Bills wanting him to focus more on returning and then not giving him as many chances in the offense. So, a very complicated situation. We know he's a potent football player, we know he has some limitations. But how do you attack free agency with Isaiah McKenzie knowing you want him back, but this isn't necessarily a player that's done a whole lot? And I'm not sure how much of that's his fault. So as for his 2022 outlook, I'd like to have him back, but we have to be realistic. He can't be trusted in the return game, and he's never had more than 282 receiving yards in any season. And he's been in the league as a wide receiver since 2017. So he's proven to be a flashy player that hasn't been able to produce consistently and receive a bigger role. Now the flip side of that is I think we can all agree that if Isaiah McKenzie walks out the door and goes to another team, there's a really good chance he winds up being a pretty productive player. And there'd be a lot of regret about not incorporating him more into this offense. So I find this Isaiah McKenzie situation to be pretty complicated. Hey, Bills fans, this is Joe Marino with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about, Get Upside. My listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code TOUCHDOWN for $0.25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill-up cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN for $0.25 cents per gallon or more on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two dollars to $300 a year in cash back and there's no catch. The cashback gets added right to your account, and you can cash out at any time to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. All right, we've got a few more receivers to get to. Next up is Marquez Stevenson, a 2021 sixth-round pick, number 203 overall. He's 23 years old. He turns 24 in March. He's entering year two of a four-year, $3.7 million rookie deal and the Bills could free up $600,000 in cap space if they were to release him. As far as his 2021 statistical production, he did not catch a pass on offense and played very few snaps at all on offense. As a returner, he averaged 23.6 yards on seven kick returns, and he averaged 9.4 yards on 14 punt returns. And he had some blunders with ball handling and fielding. As for his 2021 review, He had the opportunity to claim the return guy role, and he couldn't do it. He was injured early on in the season. Isaiah McKenzie had his own blunders. Sean McDermott gave Marquez Stevenson a chance to claim this role, and it didn't happen. He had some nice returns, but he didn't really inspire confidence that he could be the guy. So as for his 2022 outlook, it's tough to tell. If Isaiah McKenzie is gone, will Ken Dorsey, the new offensive coordinator, have that role? And if so, will they try to use Stevenson in it? Can he be a vertical threat, a guy that they can draw up some shots down the field to? To me, it's just all about how he develops. But I think we should temper our expectations for a guy that's a six-round pick who was non-existent on offense and couldn't claim the return role. It's all about how much better he gets and if he can develop. The next one is Jake Kummerow, a 2020 free agent signing, 29 years old. He turns 30 in February on the 17th. So happy birthday coming up to Jake Kummerow. His contract is expired. He completed his one-year $930,000 deal. In 2021, he caught two passes for 28 yards and played 11% of the snaps on offense. His value is on special teams where he played 70% of the snaps. So as for his 2021 review, he brings value in two areas. Number one is a blocker. He played offense quite a bit on rundowns, and I don't think the Bills cared too much that the defense knew it was going to be a run play because they trusted that this guy could block. And then he's obviously a four-phase special teams contributor. And so for a fifth or sixth wide receiver on your depth chart, I think that's pretty good value. I think that's kind of what you're looking for in that type of a guy. And we know that Sean McDermott looks to Jake Kumaro as a glue guy for this roster and somebody that the locker room really enjoys having as part of it. So for his 2022 outlook, I mean, if he wants to come back on a veteran minimum deal for more of the same, I'd be for it. Now, the Bills have a couple of receivers on the practice squad. Tanner Gentry, who's 27 years old, kind of a a slot receiver. He's one of Josh Allen's former teammates at Wyoming in college, and Josh Allen's very tight friends with Tanner Gentry. I don't know that I look to Tanner Gentry as a Cole Beasley replacement, but he's a guy that has some level of intrigue to me. I'd like to see him uh, have a chance in preseason to have some opportunities and see what he can do, but... I mean, he's 27 years old and really hasn't done much in the NFL. And then there's Isaiah Hodgins, who was a player that had some intrigue to me as a draft pick a few years ago out of Oregon State, a late round guy, has good size in terms of height. Obviously, he's kind of a thin build, um, good hands, but the physical components of the game are going to be a struggle for him because of his frame and beating press coverage and dealing with physicality whenever it's introduced. And so I. Th- I'm not counting on much there, but if the Bills wanted to kind of tap into his size and and hands and ball skills, I think there's something to work with, but there are limitations to be mindful of. So as for my overview, as we've now worked through all of these players on the depth chart, here's what the Bills have. They have a wide receiver one, a superstar in Steph Diggs. They have a developing stud in Gabriel Davis. They have decisions to make on Cole Beasley and Isaiah McKenzie. And then a we'll see, but not counting on anything with Emmanuel Sanders. What's missing from this depth chart is a yards after catch and speed guy. Somebody that the Bills can get the football to on manufactured touches and tell them to go create offense. They're also missing a true take the top off the defense guy. Somebody that can really stress the defense vertically with ball skills and blazing speed down the field. And I'm not sure that I would pin this on the receivers, but they don't have a return guy. And so my question is, can you get all three of those things in one player? Can you get a yak guy, yards after catch? Can you get a speed guy and a return guy as one player? Because if so, I think there'd be a lot of value in the Bills finding a guy like that. Because that's definitely a skill set that is missing, and they need to get some of that stuff sorted out. They need to have that type of player on the roster. And so as for how I think the Bills may address this, I do think they'll do something. But based on Brandon Bean's behavior in the past, I think we can count on it coming from either proven veterans or mid to late round draft picks. I don't anticipate Brandon Bean using a first, second, or third round pick on a wide receiver. There's nothing about his behavior in the past that suggests he would. It's been veterans and round four and beyond for every receiver he's brought onto this team. And in a lot of ways, that's pretty smart, especially considering, you know, Josh Allen has been a developing quarterback and it's not necessarily a good idea to put a developing quarterback with developing weapons. And so I really appreciate the emphasis on bringing in proven commodities at receiver. That way, Josh Allen can really develop. Talking about John Brown, Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, Stefan Diggs, players like that. And then you've seen some fourth round picks, you've seen some sixth round picks, seventh round picks at receiver. So I'm not really considering the bills as a team in the market for a receiver in the top three rounds. I know that a lot of you guys want that. I get a lot of social media engagement and emails that express that to me, but predictively, based on Brandon beans history, I don't think that's going to happen. And so I'm really curious on how he navigates this receiver situation, not only from some of the decisions he has to make with Expiring contracts and existing contracts, but how does he add to it? Does he go against his tendencies? Because I do think something needs to happen here to bolster this unit. We know that Josh Allen throwing the football to wide receivers is his bread and butter. And I think it's always going to be important for the Bills to be very mindful of that and keeping this cupboard full for Josh Allen. And that means having some guys developing so that way as players fall off the roster, where there could be several this year, you've got guys like a Gabriel Davis ready to go that you feel confident in to step in and claim a larger percentage of the targets and produce. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. Tomorrow is herd mentality, and we've got a lot of great stuff already lined up, but if you have a question, Feel free to send it in. My DMs are open on Twitter at the joe Marino. You can also shoot me an email, joe at thedraftnetwork.com. And obviously, I've been out and about quite a bit over the last week or so, and so I have a lot to catch up on in terms of emails and DMs. So if you haven't heard back from me, be patient. I'm going to try to spend some time on Monday doing that and obviously compiling everything for a good conversation tomorrow on Herd Mentality. So don't miss it. Make sure you're subscribed. Would love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your day, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.